Welcome, Hawk fans. Welcome to another episode of Hawk Talk. I am your host, Colin Cole, along with my co-host, David Porter. David, thank you for joining me today. Dude, I'm looking forward to getting into this. Absolutely. 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 So uh, the Hawkeyes took on the Kentucky Wildcats in the uh, the in, down in Nashville um, in the Music City Bowl. And um, it was a tremendous game for the Hawkeyes in terms of output, in terms of scoring, um, getting an opportunity to see some of what they have going into the future. Um, nowhere near the outcome that the Hawks faced last year, uh, facing the same Kentucky squad in the uh, BRBO Citrus Bowl, uh, where they took a three-point loss. But uh, this year, this team, uh, and the team that was fielded by both teams, squared off, and the Hawkeyes emerged victorious, David. And so uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, Joey Labus, uh, the first-time starter at quarterback for this Hawk team, I went 14 for 24, 139 yards, and one touchdown to one of the guys that I mentioned that I said in the last, in the pregame that wasn't going to participate. Uh, he they pulled a dinky on us and just went ahead and, and said something else in the scouting report and said that he wasn't going to participate. But Sam Laporta uh, played the entire game despite the tear that he had, and I believe his uh, his MCL or PCL, I'm not sure, uh, but he he suffered an injury. Just, just in November, and uh, was still able to suit up this past Saturday, December 31st, and play a significant role in the Hawkeyes win, catching himself a touchdown. Well, I should say catching the ball and uh, creating a play with that. So uh, it's been, it was a tremendous output offensively for this for this group, um, actually. And Sam Laporta did not catch the touchdown. It was no. But Tyler Porter didn't have a tremendous uh, output. I saw him make, make some tremendous plays. He had five receptions for 56 yards, um, and he was true to form. He made a tremendous catch and run on one of those plays where we saw him elude about five or six uh, defenders. That was a pretty, pretty good job by by that man. Um, the receiving core is rounded up by Luke Lachey, who had three receptions for 36 yards, and that touchdown, like I just mentioned, Deontay Vines had two receptions. Nico Ragaini. I'm glad they made that distinction because I sure was calling him Ragaini for the longest. I'm glad that uh, <laughs> he stood up for himself and said, hey, man, my name is not Ragaini. It's Ragaini. David, you know, there's one thing that I have a pet peeve about is mispronunciation of names. As hard as, as easy as it may seem, Colin is a name that could be pronounced. You, It's been butchered throughout my life. So I can understand Nico wanted to make sure that uh, all publications of his name all all anybody saying his name says it correctly Againi. he had a, he he definitely did a good job and 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 made some plays both in the receiving and and as well as getting in downfield blocking he got himself a run for 5 yards as well so uh, and he will be returning this this next season as a senior uh to round out that uh, that receiving core I should say to, to start out that receiving core but um going back to the game those guys did a tremendous job in receiving the the run game. David took a step back. It was not the run game that we've seen all season, man. It was, it was, it was uh, these these guys had a total of sixty seven yards on what was it? how many how many carries did they have? It was uh, it, it seemed like it was about twenty some odd carries, and they only had they only were able to amass sixty seven yards. So the running game, uh, the Kentucky did a great job of really taking away that running game, making it difficult for the Hawkeye runners to to establish that running game. But uh, 
this offense overall uh, led by uh, Joey Labus looked different, David. It looked different than what we've seen all season. What is your assessment of what you saw in that game in the bowl game? Well, when I looked at the bowl game, I saw a bunch of uh, guys that were actually starting to get into their own, so to speak. Um, the running game, as you said, it did take a step back. The pass game um, seems to have taken a step forward uh, for the Iowa offense. Obviously, we didn't expect all of that to, to actually occur, um, given that this was Joey Lakers' first start, right? And he's traveling all the way down to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, to play in this um, Music City Bowl. And he did a really good job of controlling the tempo of the game and really being in control of his emotions. Um, you know, as we said earlier, uh, the defense really stepped up uh, for Iowa with uh, two pick sixes. Um, that was uh, quite amazing what they did and uh, really kept, I think they set a record for the Music City Bowl for a shutout. That was the first time that's ever happened. Uh, at a music at the Music City Bowl, so the Iowa, um, it is. I'm going to do another one. They are who we thought they were, right? The defense really stepped up and scored points. Uh, we said that in the last the last uh, episode, and the offense uh, really didn't turn the ball over, which to me were really the uh, the two things that uh, I should say, three things that really were the differentiators in this game. Right. We won the turnover battle. We did not win the time of possession, but the turnovers that were immediate uh, point turnovers for us, uh, that was huge. And then being able to control um, the tempo on the offense and that, quote unquote, make a lot of mistakes really helped control the game. Punt, flip the field, keep these guys locked in. I know Kentucky didn't have a lot of their offensive guys, whatever. We kind of anticipated the defense taking over. So, uh, all in all, it was a good game. It really was. Um, Sam Laporta coming in, you're talking about that one reception he had where he was like a dancing beer going down the field, stiff-arming people, doing a, doing a spin. Uh, that, was, that was actually really impressive to watch him do that, especially with his, um, you know, his injury. Uh, Luke Lachey did his, did his thing. Very proud of that young man. He's uh <laughs> he's gonna be one heck of a titan for the Hawks. The um yeah, the game, it just is what we thought it was. I, I hate to call it this one, but it, you know, it's it's a victory. It's, it wasn't pretty, not that I can see, but you know, I know you like these kind of games. The defense kind of dominates. I get that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, do I like to see defensive scores? Yes. Do I like to see defensive shutouts? Absolutely. Um, do I like these kind of games? I definitely would love to have seen more output from an offense, particularly in the running game. But, you know, it was a victory, especially like you mentioned, first shutout in that bowl game in its history. So that was tremendous by this group of guys to be able to do so. Switching over to the defensive side against this uh, Kentucky group, uh, Captain Jack, the well-decorated middle linebacker uh, for the Iowa Hawkeyes, had himself 10 tackles in one sack. I saw him run that young man down from behind and get that sack. <laughs> <laughs> he got it. He's going to definitely see yeah. it. So he's going to make himself some money playing on Sundays. I can see it happening for him. Um, that came to play. <laughs> Xavier Wampak, 
Wankpa. Eight tackles mm-hmm. and one interception as well. Cooper DeGene, seven tackles and interception. And Cooper DeGene got the defensive player of the game. He got the player of the game uh, for the uh, for the bowl game. So that young man, as a true freshman, came in and has and put his stamp on the season. Uh, but uh, but overall, these young men had played a tremendous job, done a tremendous job. I'm gonna make sure I highlight Xavier Xavier, um, who made his first career start, who came in and played it for uh, Kayvon Merriweather, who decided to opt out and pre- get himself prepared for the NFL draft. But uh, X man, as his teammates and everybody so affectionately called him, X. Did a tremendous job of reading quarterback's eyes. The quarterback was a little bit skittish all day. I can't lie to you. Uh, the quarterback, uh, Destin Wade, he went 16 for 30, 98 yards and two interceptions. But uh, he particularly, um, you know, he he definitely, he, he he looked like he was uncomfortable. He looked more comfortable running with the football. He had 16 carries for 29 yards rushing. But uh, in terms of passing the ball, he looks like he's got a little bit of work to be done. And then they had Deuce Hogan come in and play. Uh, Deuce Hogan, we know, uh, was uh, Iowa's third-string quarterback a couple years ago, or last year, and decided to transfer and ended up in Kentucky's arms. Uh, he came in and went six for seven. He went six for seven, David. He only incomplete. He only threw one incompletion, uh, but he only threw that for 19 total yards. So their offensive output wasn't the greatest. Um, Juton McClain, 10 carries, 40 yards. Destin Wade was the second leading carrier for 16, 16 carries for 29 yards. So, but uh, but this Hawkeye defense did a tremendous job of shutting down this Kentucky Wildcats offense who had been really pro- prolific throughout the season and um, really just gave them opportunity to look at what they have coming back since uh, since they they lost their starting quarterback to the um, to the opt-out. So any other things you got on this defense, David? Not really. They, they continue to perform the way that they have performed all year. We've been talking about how special they are, along with the special teams, uh, for a while. Like I said, this defense for uh, this year, they're better than they were last year, and I didn't think that was possible. But these guys have really stepped up. Uh, they're score machines. Uh, Cooper, coming back and playing in this bowl game was a little bit of, su- of a surprise for me. I thought he was a little more hurt than that, but uh, it just goes to show. He's a really tough guy and a really big competitor. So good for him. I'm glad he got defensive player of the game. He has done a tremendous job for the Hawks, both on special teams and on defense, uh, to really make this team go and do what needs to be done. Um, Getting back to Dustin, or Destin, with that defense, I mean, most people are going to be uncomfortable back there, especially with the offensive line like he was uh, behind. He was under pressure the whole, the entire game. So I'm not uh, surprised by the the uh, intimidation factor that the defense has. You know, Van Ness, the the whole that whole defensive line, they were in his face the whole game. I and mean, we're talking about pressures. We we can talk about sacks what we want to, but there were pressures uh, that were on him. And you know how it is when the quarterback starts to hear footsteps and starts to feel different things because he's been pressured, he's been touched. Uh, that changes the way he thinks about things, the way he feels that pocket presence. And that's going to disrupt his natural rhythm, his natural way of being. And Dustin being, or Destin being a, a dual threat, I think he relied on the thing he was used to, running. You know, versus just sitting back in the pocket and trusting his eyes and actually trusting his arm. He, uh, I'm going to go with he panicked a little bit and went out there and started to run 
and try to do more and do things outside of his comfort zone um, that really got him to the point where, you know, those two interceptions really got to him. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess throwing is probably a little bit out of his comfort zone, but, you know, that's the job of the quarterback. So if he wants to do that and <laughs> probably football, he's going to have to work on that in this offseason. So we'll see how that works out for them. Obviously, like I mentioned, Deuce Hogan is obviously in the, waiting in the wings, waiting in the wings, trying to get himself an opportunity to play as well. So we'll see. Good luck to that Kentucky group. I'm sure that they'll find themselves some success next season. But, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. The Hawks end eight and five and fourth in the um, in the Big Ten West division. And uh Going into this offseason, David, we got a lot to kind of talk about. Now, we, I mentioned some of the opt-outs, some of the guys that are leaving the program. Uh, we got to make sure we make mention to who's being added to the program. We got to make mention to the fact that Cade McNamara is coming to be a, a, an Iowa Hawkeye. He's going to be competing for the starting job at quarterback. Um, we, we'll see how things work out for him. His career stats, 3,181 yards Passing 21 touchdowns versus seven to one. Uh, excuse me. 21 touchdowns versus seven interceptions. It's a 63.1% completion rating. Um, his 2021 stats, he had uh, that was the year that he led the Michigan Wolverines. That was last year, obviously, he led the Michigan Wolverines to the uh to the Big Ten title game where they they won that game handily against our very own Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, he, and last season, he threw 2,576 passing yards, 15 touchdowns against just six interceptions. So he's going to be, he's going to definitely add um, some, some well-needed experience to that quarterback room. Coming along with him from the University of Michigan is his, one of his favorite targets, tight end Eric All. Eric All's career stats, 54 receptions, 565 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Um, so Eric all is another young man who will be coming with, with, uh, with McNamara from the university of Michigan. Those are the two guys that they have gone from who the, uh, the Hawkeye coaching staff has taken from the uh, transfer portal and are coming to Iowa city. Now let's jump over to the side of the guys that are leaving. We already talked about Alex Padilla making that decision and making it verbally, and he will be making that leap to enter the portal along with Arlen Bruce. Arlen Bruce had 44 catches throughout his career, 396 yards, two touchdowns, 22 carries for 112 yards and four touchdowns. However, 2022, it is glaring as to why he left. 19 catches all year for 187 yards and one touchdown. Um, and then he had additional 12 carries for 47 yards and one touchdown. So he's underutilized completely this season. Keegan Johnson is another one that's leaving this season. Leaving, um, he's entered the portal. He's um, he had his career stats: twenty catches, three hundred sixty-three receiving yards, and two touchdowns for his career this past season. Due to uh, it was a definitely uh, injury-plagued season. He had only two catches for eleven total yards before deciding to leave the Hawkeye program. Running back Gavin Williams had career stats of one hundred sixteen total carries for four hundred seventy-one yards and no touchdowns um, this past season had 43 carries for 138 yards, nine catches for 44 receiving yards. But uh, with that stable of backs, he got lost in the shuffle. And so he's decided to take his talents elsewhere. Um, Josh Volk is an offensive guard. Who's actually, he was the number five player out of, in the state of Iowa. Um, he was the 32nd ranked offensive guard in the nation. 
So we'll be losing that young man's talents as he decides to move on. Justin Jacobs, we already talked about. He's moving on to the University of Oregon. I won't get into his stats. He did a good, good job while he was while he was able to play. Defensive back Reggie Bracey. He's played 22 games, 10 tackles, one pass defense. 10 in 2022, he played all in, in 10 games, and he only had four tackles. So he's decided to leave. Uh, we mentioned Terry Roberts, who is a senior. He's had 47 tackles throughout his career, seven passes defense, and two interceptions. This past season, he had 13 tackles, three passes defense, and one interception before succumbing to injuries. Um, Dallas Creedith has not played. Well, he played uh, 10 games throughout his career. Uh, he played only two games this, this past season for one tackle. And then tight end Elijah Yelverton. Um, he has played in no steps since joining the University of Iowa. He had a medical medical red shirt. Um, and, well, yeah, he was actually medically retired. He was previously medically retired from Iowa, and he's actually entered the the, uh, the transfer portal. He is the twenty one ranked tight end in the country. Uh, 522 ranked player nationally, 69th ranked player out of Texas. And then that leads us, well, we have those movements throughout the program, guys that have decided to move on and enter the transfer portal. And then we have one late addition to this group, David. Defensive lineman Lucas Van Ness has declared for the 2023 NFL draft. Surprisingly enough, he's decided to declare for the draft. Maybe um, Hercules. Maybe Hercules has decided to, <laughs> to, to, uh, to, to enter the draft. Uh, Lucas Van Ness um, out of Illinois. Did a tremendous job coming out of Illinois and uh, joining this program. It was um, it's a bit surprising to me. It's a bit surprising. Why? But I, he he was a part of the 2020 class, so this is what his third, second year. He's he's, he's only yeah. two years, um, but um, he was a three star signee out of Barrington High School in Barrington, Illinois, part mm -hmm. of the 2020 class. Like I mentioned, he had 27 total offers uh, from schools such as Minnesota, Kansas State, Kansas, Illinois, Tulane, Army, Navy, and Air Force. Um, he's only he's only appeared David in 27 total games as a Hawkeye over the last two seasons. And uh, he, he, he's been decently productive. He actually, he turned out 71 total tackles. He actually had 20, 71 total tackles throughout his career. 21, 20 of those for loss and 14 sacks. So 27 games, 14 sacks. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a, a production. A little over a half a sack a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, out to you in all those, all those names that I mentioned. What sticks out to you the most, and what do you think is going to have the biggest impact wherever they decide to move on to? Well, when I look at all the names that you're giving me, um, it's kind of across the board, right? Uh, it's heavily on the offense, not so much on the defense. Um, we, we're having uh, some defensive players that are uh, leaving as well. It seems to be a lot of the guys that are just, um, for whatever reason, um, I, I don't even want to speculate. How about that? I don't know what exactly is going on with these guys. I really don't. But the one thing I do notice, we do have a lot of offensive transfers. The defense, the defensive guys that are transferring are guys that used to play for us that did start 
uh, that did get hurt. They're not playing right now, um, or they weren't playing. I'm not sure how they felt uh, going through that whole rehabilitation process to get back to the point where they can play. You know, that's a big part of it. It's uh, how do I feel when I'm going through my struggles, right? These are still kids that we're talking about, and they have their emotions, and they wear their emotions, a lot of them, on their sleeve. Uh, very sensitive young men, uh, as we all were back then. So with these kids, uh, you know, football is everything. Football is life. Uh, this is pretty much all they know. This is what they've been groomed to do. They lack the, they don't have the perspective we have as adults, knowing that this is, football is just a part of your life. And it's not your entire life. It is something that you are, that you, have, that you do. It is not who you are. And, you know, some of these kids may associate that with who they are. And rightfully so, wrongfully so, that's just where they are mentally. The things that really, um, um, that really, for me, I find troubling is the turnover of, how I call it capital. So you have a lot of guys that have been in the program for a while. Uh, I think it was a couple, one or two seniors and juniors, right? So you have all that experience, the guys that have been through the program that know how things work, that are now taking those talents to go to other places, like Charlie Jones. He's one of those guys that did that as well. Uh, Tyrone Tracy did that too. So having guys go some other place, and then if they do perform well, that just reflects poorly on us. And whatever it is, it's just perception. doesn't make a reality, but that's the perception that's out there. So that's what I'm noticing. That's what I see. I'm not sure if you see anything different. What do you think? So I'm looking at this group of guys that have uh, entered the transfer portal, and I count 10 of them, um, 10 guys. Um, and when I'm looking at this list of guys, I'm, just, I'm seeing some colored photos of these young men, and there's one glaring thing that I have to say and I haven't really said a whole lot about throughout the season or throughout any of our times of talking, but I got to say it. Seven out of the 10 guys that are transferring and leaving the program are, are, are young men of color. Oh, um, I noticed that and I got to make mention to it. Um, I feel as though one of the key factors of, of college football is recruiting young men to come to your program. Um these young men that have come, these young men of color that have come to this program, generally speaking, have come from other states. This is out, yeah. of, out of state recruiting. You're going and getting these young men. I know, I know that um, Arlen Bruce, I believe he's from Kansas. Um, you know, I don't see, okay, first of all, first of all, I'll just say this. First of all, to be able to recruit this kind of talent, to be contributors on your team in whatever capacity they are, you have to make sure you do a tremendous job of creating an environment that makes these young men want to stay in your program. Um, today's day and age with the transfer portal really makes it a, and it really makes it for a free agency, NFL model of free agency, uh, for where the college program is. For me, coming out of high school, coming to the University of Iowa back in 1999, where I first stepped on, on campus, I don't say first step on campus, but my first 
couple of weeks, months on campus, I felt like it was one of the most difficult times of my life uh, making the adjustment to being in Iowa City and being a part of that that culture. Um, so had I had the transfer portal back then, I more than likely may have left the program. However, when I gave the program a, a real opportunity to, to really see where it would take me, I really found a home with the support staff that was in place uh, mm. while I was there. Uh, I don't know. I know that a number of those guys have moved on. Um, few of them have passed on. Some of them have retired out. But um, for the most part, the assets, the the support that was there when I was there has not been replenished. And they worked diligently to try to do so. But uh, I don't know that they've done a, a good enough job overall of creating an environment that is conducive to making these young men comfortable being away from home. So that's one area that I struggle with. And then let's see. Let's let's, let's go back through this again. Let's go back through this list. Um, so we have one, like I said, seven of the ten. Let's see, one is a tight end, defensive back, defensive back, defensive back, defensive back slash cash, offensive lineman, running back, receiver, receiver. So it's a lot of skill players, uh, including Alex Padilla. A lot of skill players, and please help me if I'm wrong here. But you need those guys to be able to to match up with uh, the talent that's um, that you're going to be playing against. So I'm worried about replenishing this kind of talent that uh, this this program is losing. Uh, and I'm also worried about whether they're creating an environment where they do get the opportunity to bring in young men of color. Um, if they're creating, if the environment is conducive to uh, making it a comfortable environment for them to flourish and want to complete their careers as a Hawkeye. Yeah, when you have seven out of 10 of the kids that are kids of color, um, and a few of those guys were starters for us and performed really well. Um, that really does make you question things. Things, and to be honest, I really didn't look at it that way uh, right now until you just said that. You know, we, you kind of know my history with uh, the program and the things we've done with them together. The, um, hmm, the resources, the lack of resources that were, that were once available to you and to me. Uh, when we were there that allowed us to be one of the best teams in Iowa history. Um, when we were there, our, that's our 2002 team. Um, that may or may not be part of the reason we're having such turnover of this caliber. And I'm with you. The ability to compete in the future is going to be really depend on our ability to recruit and retain talent. And if these kids that are coming in there don't feel comfortable being there, um, it's it's going to be tough for us sledding. Because when I look at teams like Georgia and Alabama, they have a distinct, different look than what we have. It's so. I just I always question. Alabama can do it. Georgia can do it. Iowa can do it too. There's no question that uh, 
if recruits, if young men are willing to go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I got to believe that Iowa City, Iowa can be equally as much of a destination place for for student athletes. So we'll see. And this is uh, the end of uh, the 2022 season. It was a great job by those young men to finish out the season on a high note, winning their bowl game 21 to nothing. And um, it's a springboard going into off-season training and really seeing what you got. You know, McNamara comes in, but um, Joey Labus showed that he has some ability. So he may have played himself into an opportunity with Spencer Peters still being on the roster. Who's going to be – Who it's going to be a competition, no question. And um, I'm hoping that the uh, the best person shows themselves and uh, is the – leader of this offense going into the, the, the new season. So we'll, we'll get more into, I think we should get a little bit more into what, uh, what's left to, I should say, these position groups. Uh, once the transfer portal and transfers have been all decided on, and we just kind of go from there. So be on the lookout. We'll be dropping another episode in the near future, talking about some of the, some other movements and what else is going on in the program. But in, in the meantime, I appreciate you guys for watching. Appreciate you guys for, for sticking with us all season. It's been a great, great uh, overall season. We had a lot to talk about, and uh, it's been a great overall opportunity to watch this group of Hawkeyes grow and really become um, a team, you know, especially that defense. The defense ended the season as one of the top top five defenses in the, in the country, and rightfully so. And it was a great, great option, great opportunity, and great honor to watch those guys all season. So, David, got anything to go once we uh, to head out? No, just uh, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. That defense really pulled us through this year, and um, it was really a special thing to watch them come together and pull this team and lead this team to all to the victories that we were able to get this year. So, uh, I'm looking forward to watching this team grow and continue doing what we're doing. Absolutely. Well, that's our show. Um, for David Porter, I'm Colin Cole. Thank you all for joining us on Hawk Talk. And um, be on the lookout for the next episode and that may drop. It will drop at some point and uh, we'll publicize it. So thank you guys for joining us. God bless and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.